With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hi, and welcome to this is Ibrox. My name's Tommy Mangtar, and on one of those accounts of dropped from Rangers days, I am very, very pleased to be joined by Kieran Maguire, co-host of Price of Football, University of Liverpool lecturer, football finance expert, go-to man for all publications. Kieran, just good to see you again, buddy. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing pretty well. I'm a, I'm a Brighton fan for those people that don't know me. So we're recording this uh, shortly before my trip to Arsenal in in a, in a few hours to see uh, no, no doubt our reserves uh, get defeated three nil. Um, such, such is the enthusiasm there is for the League Cup in this country. Yeah, it just doesn't break through at all. Uh, you see that sometimes. I mean, there's there's just no no interest in it whatsoever. I mean, do you expect do you expect that to be big changes for the Brighton team? Yes, yeah, I, I think he's going to give people uh, an opportunity. Um, it's it, it's a funny one. Yeah, we're, we're taking seven thousand to to a match, which we don't expect to get anything from. But but that's football. You know, Rangers would take seven thousand. Yeah, Rangers would take twenty seven thousand if they give them twenty seven thousand tickets. It's the nature of football. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's a, it's a strange competition. Probably on its last legs as well. It's it's almost certain to disappear in 2024 when the expanded Champions League uh, arrives. Yeah, I think that's a very fair fair shout and a conversation for a different day before we go down that expanded uh, Champions League Super League uh, alleyway at the moment. So, as I referenced, it's a big day for both sides of the old firm because Rangers accounts are out. And we know that everybody circles round about them uh, and you've been a very, very busy man today and you will be for the rest of the day as well. But I'm interested from a headline perspective, you know, we've seen uh, an operating profit, we've seen an improvement in the money coming into the club from the from the uh, published accounts as well. As you read them dispassionately, what's your headline takeaway? Um, I think they are solid. Um, I think fans will want more money spent in certain areas, but I, I've yet I've yet to find a fan who's ever said to me, I wish we spent less money in the transfer market. 
So that's that's fairly natural. Um, record levels of revenue, record levels of wages. Um, the the profit figure is well, it, it's not quite a profit. It's not quite a loss. The trouble is, it, it depends how you choose to define profit. The club has done it one way. I've done it another way. Um, but given the circumstances, I, I think the results are are solid. They are a further road to recovery. And I think that's where we've got to look at, at Rangers as a business. You know, that they've, they've come from the, the shocks of what happened uh, a decade ago. They're trying to, to recoup and they've got to be competitive with, with Celtic. So the revenue is almost the same as that of Celtic. In fact, it would have been higher had they, they treated merchandise the same way as Celtic. The wage bill is is around about the same level. Um, I think that there are areas where Rangers need to go some way uh, in order to catch up with their rivals. Uh, most m- most clearly there in in terms of player trading, but the gap the gaps are starting to narrow. And whether we like it or not, football is a talent game, and the talent follows the money. So so they need to be competitive in terms of getting the money into the club before they can be competitive in terms of spending and offering the salaries, which which will make players want to come and play for them. Yeah, listen, I think that's all absolutely logical. And I think most people would understand that. And it's important people understand as they look at these figures, they do not include UEFA Champions League participation money. They do not include the money for the sales of... Joe Rebo and particularly Calvin Bassey, which was a headline uh, spent spend by other clubs or revenue, I should say, into, into Rangers. I'm interested, though, you know, without getting overly technical for the listeners, but I'm interested in that, how we define the commercial aspect and how we define profit versus how you've defined profit there. Um, yeah, it, well, we start off with the um, commercial activities. Um, is Celtic's kit, is that made by Nike or Adidas? I'm, I'm not I believe it's Adidas. Adidas, right. The way the way that Celtic uh, do this, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with this, many other clubs do this as well, is every time, if they sell a shirt for £50, they show that as £50 of revenue. Um, and they say, well, actually, the, co- the shirt cost us 30 from Adidas, so, we, so we're going to book the profit. When it comes to Rangers, um, Rangers just show the commission that they get from Castore. So if, you, if they're getting £10 commission per shirt, they're showing £10 of revenue. Celtic are playing, showing 50 and then they'll deduct, say, the 40 cost of the shirt. So the net position is the same. But I know that there's bragging rights um, in the city of Glasgow. Um, and I, th- I think to you, you're not having a, a 100% apples with apples comparison. Um, you know, my understanding is that I believe the gross sales value of Rangers merchandise, and I, and I know some people that work in, uh, in in sort of the sports apparel industry, I think that the gross was around about 22 million, but they'll probably only shown uh, five or six of that as as income because they just show um, the the flat fee that they get from Castore plus the commission on every shirt. Even so, you know, the, the numbers that, uh, that, that Rangers generate from merchandise sales um, – would be higher than that of practically every club in the Premier League, with the exception of the top six or seven. No, that's interesting. I think that'll give uh, give us a little bit of clarity on that as well, just in terms of some of the some of the nuts and bolts there. So, there's a couple of points I want to pick through on the on the accounts, and I appreciate there's lots in there, and there'll be lots of heat and lots of light, and people interested in everything, particularly from a position right now that Rangers aren't doing 
as, all, as well on the pitch as they would maybe like to look at. And we'll park up the player trading uh, part because we've explained that you know, Bassey and Joe Rebo aren't in there. But from a growth perspective, in terms of the expectations, let's say, of the market or where the club has come from, are these, you've said, you know, solid? So baseline, these are in a position where you would expect them to. They're not bad. They're not good. They're just a, a, an organisation that's growing. Yes, um, it, the the success that Rangers had in getting to the um, Europa League final, I, I think it is reflected uh, in, in both extra revenue. So we've got uh, a, a highest ever match day income of of nearly forty two million pounds, and Rangers um, generate forty eight pounds out of every hundred through ticket sales, right. and that is probably the highest of any of the clubs competing uh, certainly in uh, certainly in the UK uh, because you know they sell out Ibrox every week um, they they had all of the additional matches taking place in the Europa League so so that that was beneficial that flowed through into extra money coming from UEFA uh, because of the prize money that's awarded as far as the European participation is concerned. And again, you know, I'll, I'll bring up the subject of Celtic. People are always going to benchmark the two clubs against each other. Um, and I've, I've been posting on social media this morning and Celtic fans seem more upset that I'm benchmarking them against Rangers for reasons <laughs> I, I can't, I can't quite work out. But, but Celtic generated almost as much money. I think it's about three or four million pounds difference compared to Rangers. The reason for that is that UEFA have a, has a loads of pots of money which it allocates in in different ways, um, and as far as um, one of those pots is concerned, it's 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 based on your your ten year history in in Europe. Now Rangers have only been playing in Europe for the last four or five seasons, so therefore they had substantially less money coming in from that particular pot compared to Celtic, which is why the the numbers aren't perhaps as as far apart as Rangers fans might anticipate. So they are they're a good result, additional money coming in, but there's additional money going out as well because you know the club has recruited players. Um it also had to pay bonuses. You know, it every, every time you make progress per per round in Europe well, you know, the, the players have highly incentivized paybackets and contracts, and that and that's reflected in in a wage bill which was more than a million pounds a week. But again, very very close to that of Celtic. So, um, you know, whereas I think when when Rangers first returned to the Premiership, there was still a very big difference. You know, uh, Celtic I think had sixty three million pounds more of revenue in, I think, as recently as 2018 compared to, to, to Rangers. That £63 million pounds has effectively now been wiped out. It's just £1 million pounds of difference uh, as far as 21-22 is concerned. I'd expect that gap to grow in 22-23 due to the impact of Europe, though. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I think we've touched on some of the key elements there, you know, in terms of the revenue coming in, the increased expenditure, you know, the improvement of, you know, on the operating loss from last year as well, you know, t- turning it into a profit, depending on how you want to calculate that, as you've said. I am interested, though, as we get into the skin of the accounts, there are some interesting payouts there. I'm looking at maybe some of the litigation aspects. I know we can't drill into them specifically in terms of the cases that underpin them, but 
was there any surprise to see how much Rangers were paying out in those environments? Um, as far as the, the cost is concerned, and, and I suspect that the club has not been able to um, name the other party, m- most probably due to some form of agreed NDA, um, which, which is fairly standard as far as legal settlements are concerned. Um, the actual fee that's been quoted in the accounts is, is around about £6 million, um, likely to go to Sports Direct uh, in, in respect of the dispute there. Um, the way that that's been accounted for is that it, it could be seen to be eight million and then they've spread the money to get it down to, to around about six. Um, so clearly that is, that is, that is a, you know, a big hit as far as the club is concerned. Um, but it's done. Yeah. And, uh, you know, whatever the rights and wrongs in respect of that dispute, it's important that we, sometimes you just got to be able to walk away. Um, you know, if, if anybody's being divorced, then sometimes it's, Say goodbye, agree the settlement, and don't let it eat into you because it's going to ruin the rest of your life. Yeah, I think that's a very key point in terms of that particular agreement or dispute in that it ran for so long. If this is the final chapter of it, we we, we move on sufficiently and get, get out the other side of it in terms of what it means for the club and being able to move on post-direct, yeah. so to speak. And just yeah, for anybody who's not, sorry, Kim, just for anybody who's not aware, NDA non-disclosure agreement. Back back to yourself. Yeah, as as an outsider with Rangers, there does seem to be a lot of noise around the club on non-football things, and, and I think that can be a distraction. Um, you know, ultimately, fans go along to watch football to cheer their side on, to score some points against their rivals, and that's as far as it goes. You know, Rangers, there, there's a bit of a soap opera which isn't necessarily good for the focus of the club um, and having disputes such as these isn't pleasant for all concerned unless you're a lawyer um, but uh, yeah, that that particular issue has now been put to bed and the, the, the people can get back to you know looking at the YouTube reel of a Bolivian centre forward who has somebody has spotted uh, in, in in a Starbucks in in Glasgow and say, oh, could could be coming to ours. Um, yeah, that that's what we want to be focusing on as far as football is concerned. But um, you know, football club accounts shouldn't be a story, but but they are these days because of financial fair play and the the large numbers involved in the game. Yeah, listen, I totally agree with all that, and there is a soap opera around about Rangers sometimes, particularly things aren't going well on the pitch, as is the case at the moment. Although, let me come back to that rumor of the Bolivian centre forward. What have you heard? Obviously, but we'll see that we'll see that appear on different blogs uh, and uh, and channels in due course that you've that you've spiked the guns on that. But I, I am interested then from a before we get into some of the audit capabilities and what that looks like in terms of. Rangers standing from a financial point of view, it would seem as though the the board had set out a clear plan, whether that was Dave King at the helm or now Douglas Park, etc. They have done a lot of good things and I should take a moment to say it gets a lot of um, uh, criticism, but once again, Stuart Robertson has overseen some of the most transparent um, books in Scottish football and I don't think he gets enough credit for that. It's a very, very good job that's being done in there. But in terms of the recuperation, rehabilitation of Rangers, it seems to me from reading the accounts that this is absolutely on track from what the board expected from the plan, maybe actually slightly ahead. Yeah, 
Yep, yep. They're out of intensive care, which you know, I think that has been the case for a few years. They, they, they've effectively been seeing a physio with regards to the recovery plan, and they're they're almost in a in a position where now they can start to do you know proper training again. So, um, and, and I agree with you. Um, you know, I I get the accounts of of every single club in England and Scotland, um, and Rangers are. You know, Rangers are in my five star reviews as far as I've, I'm concerned in terms of the amount of depth. For the sake of uh, fairness, so is Celtic. You know, Celtic produce really comprehensive data. Um, I've, I've got, as you know, I've got, I've not got a, a dog in, in in this particular fight um, with with regards to the the antagonism uh, between uh, some of the fans. Um, so that they are good. I think there's there's a positive if you take a look at the audit report. And why are we talking about audit reports? <laughs> because because if we don't, somebody else will. Um, you know, Rangers have been uh, given a qualification on their accounts with regards to what's referred to as a material uncertainty, and what and what what you mean by that is, you know, that the club was effectively reliant upon shareholders' goodwill and benevolence uh, in order to be in order to be able to pay the bills. And what the auditors have said, well, what happens if that benevolence ceases to exist? Again, going back to sort of the soap opera. There are disputes um, at, at boardroom level between historic investors and present investors, and that that appears to be still rattling on. Um, so the fact that the audit report is now looking a bit more positive, that's going to help Rangers because I don't, I don't know where Rangers are going to be in, say, three to five years' time. If, if they can sell out Ibrox with what you know, almost 50,000 seats, could they sell out Ibrox with 60,000 seats? Possibly to do that. It's going to cost a lot of money right. to to build the ground, and then what are you going to do in the interim period? You know, you know how would, would Rangers end up having to go and play a season at Ibrox, so, so at, at Hamden, for example, um, whilst work was done? I think the, the the club wants to expand its revenue stream because match days is so important, and, and there's there's little resistance, I think, in, in terms of trying to get more fans into the ground if it can physically be done. So I know that they've done is it, is it uh, Edmondson House. Edmonton House, yeah. Edmonton House, yeah. You know, that's that's part of the ambition of the club to have have a football club which is generating more money three hundred and sixty five days a year. Football's a really dumb industry. You know, your your, your main asset is closed. <laughs> you know, how, how, how many branches of Tesco do you know? How many pubs do you know that are closed three hundred and forty days a year? It's, it's absolute lunacy. So trying to to monetize the the key resources of the club is certainly something which they have addressed um for the sake of tra- transparency I, i've spoken to stuart robertson on occasions i've spoken to john bennett as well we've had him on our podcast and we've always found them to be um level-headed people with with a background and understanding in finance that's not necessarily what you want as a football fan you want a sugar daddy you, you know, talk, talk yeah. to talk to Chelsea fans. How, how many Chelsea fans hate Abramovich? Because because he he wrote out a check nine hundred thousand pounds a week for nineteen years. That's why they love him. Um, from a financial point of view, you know, car crash. But he 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 just went along, smiled benignly. Um, he knew that that nine hundred thousand pounds a week uh, reduced reduced the chances of him falling accidentally out of a window. Yeah, listen, I think you're, again, absolutely spot on with all of that. You do know fine well you've set hairs running with that potential Ibrooks move to Hamden for a year. 
that's that's the only thing that people are going to take here, Kieran. You've you've let the cat out of the bag. You know, you'll have John Bennett and Stuart Robertson back on the phone to you at the end of this podcast. But um, well, that, that, that was just me trying to think out out, out loud. <laughs> they said nothing about that. So I can assure too, you. Too late. We'll wrap it up. We'll stick that out on social media. That's it. Kieran Maguire mandates move from Ibrooks. Um, but listen, I, you're absolutely right though in terms of you know, and some fans actually, and I think quite rightly sometimes in terms of the communication. Um, struggle with the journey that the club is on in terms of that monetization. Some of it's not been done maybe correctly, but I think everybody understands the need for clubs to generate funds. It all goes into the balance sheet. It's all part of the revenue growth. It's all part of making sure the best team is on the pitch. And so people have to understand that as well. I am interested though, it's a nice segue into, I do note in the figures that there has been a repayment of directors' loans. And so it's interesting to see that money coming back out of the club but also it seems like a key indicator part of that audit point that you're making. Yes. So, so yeah, there was money that the club both borrowed and, and repaid. Um, I think the, the loans from, from that are outstanding from John Bennett, they, they carry around about 6% interest. That's much less than you'd be paying to a commercial entity. Um, there, there's a lot of clubs in the English Premier League who are, borrowing money on future transfer receipts and so on and they're paying nine to ten percent so um the the traction of using shareholders as a means of providing finance makes sense because i I think banks would still be cautious about lending to rangers um so it makes more sense if, if you've got High net worth individuals who happen to be fans of, um, especially if they can, they can assist and they have done. Some of the loans are interest free. Um, looking at some of the other finance and what we're also seeing is an, is an element of share issues as well. So all, all of that is providing funding. Um, and, and the funding goes broadly into two areas. First of all, transfer spend and secondly, infrastructure spend. Yeah. And I think it's probably important people to understand that 6% with John Bennett, et cetera, as a better. You know, obviously, most fans would say we we would like that to be provided on a zero percent interest basis. But actually, if you compare it against the market and Rangers not being able to get it elsewhere, it's a particularly good deal. And you know, the people on the board have been supporting the club through this period of non self sustainability. That's an interesting point. How close in terms of looking at the figures? And I don't want to crystal ball gaze too far into the next year's figures because we never know what's going to happen. But how close are the board, in your opinion? to that achievement of the goal of self-sustainability? I would say we're we're one to two years away, provided that um, you know, this year has not been a successful year as far as Europe is concerned on the pitch, but qualifying for the Champions League group stage was still lucrative. Um, I, I saw the, the prices being charged for tickets. I know that that has caused some comment amongst the Rangers fan base. But you were getting the opportunity to see, you know, was it Liverpool, Napoli, and Ajax play? Don't um, remember. I don't remember any of those games at all. Right. <laughs> um, and it, it, it's the same in other industries. Yeah, if if, I, if I'm going to a music concert, I, I expect to see more. I expect to pay more if I'm going to see the Foo Fighters or Adele than compared to a a, a more modest uh, uh, yeah, artist with with a catalogue. Um, so. Yeah, it's it, it's it's a nature of the beast. The, the 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 board, I would imagine, would like to effectively set Rangers free. You know, they they want the club to be independent of the shareholder base, um, and in terms of both equity and uh, debt funding, because that's why they're not. You know, they came on the board to offer their skills, 
and and their knowledge uh, in order to to build the business. It has grown. You know, the fact that we are at record levels in terms of revenue, um, I think, is a reflection of that. But there is no room for complacency uh, because football is a very competitive industry. Um, you know, I, th- I think the the experience in in Europe in the in the past couple of months is indicative of that. That um, yeah, there, there is still some way to go, and and that's going to cost money as well. Yeah, I, I think that those are those are probably the, the absolute key points. And as we as we draw back to that, and I'm very conscious that you know you've got a busy day, and we'll wrap up this conversation in due course as well. But if you look at that from a market perspective, so we've said that you know Rangers have been in intensive care, so to speak. The board have laid out a plan. There's been some good performances in you know Europe, uh, Europe in terms of getting to the Europa League final. We now qualified for the Champions League. Just looking off field, not on field, and then we get to this being able to pay back loans, which in and of itself is a good view for the market, being able to pay something back. We all know that from a credit score perspective. In terms of how the market would be viewing Rangers from a financial going concern, club to invest in, somebody to lend to, so to speak, it sounds to me as that is a much more positive position than even it was 12 months ago. Yes, it is. I mean, and that's on the back of the, the uh, I think, the strategy of the club would fans have liked Rangers to have spent more than seven and a half million pounds on players in, in 21, 22? Of course they would. But, you know, as we said earlier, that that's the case with all clubs. The fact that we now have Rangers moving into a, a trading player model, which they weren't in a position to do before. Um, so, you know, the, the sale of Nathan Patterson last season generated more money from, from player sales. And I think the previous 10 seasons put together, um, uh, if you compare that to Celtic, Celtic have been very good. And I, I know Rangers fans don't want to hear. Celtic have been very good at generating the, the 15 to 20 million pound deals in terms of player sales on a regular basis. And some a wee bit more than that. Um, and they've done that year in, year out. Rangers have, you know, w- along with the sales of you know, Arebo and so, uh, it, since the 30th of June, I think they are now moving into a player commodity market and it's a horrible thing to say because you know, we, we're talking about the careers of young men but they are commodities which which can generate substantial um, revenues if, if we go to England um, you know M- Manchester City have, have won the Premier League four years out of the last five Manchester City generate more money from player sales than they do from ticket sales and people think and people down this side of the, the border they just talk about Manchester City ruining football because of the players they're buying but they they sold forty reserve players who had effectively never played for the, for the club for forty million pounds during the summer. What Rangers need to do, and I think that's what they're trying to do, also in terms of their recruitment, is um, especially in the post Brexit environment, uh, trying to get players from England, and they will say to those players, "We will offer you a good deal if you come here." Um, and we will give you some benefits if, if your if your career develops and you move on. Um, so I, I think they do have a set strategy, um, and that won't come off 100 percent of the time because you know if if you or I could spot a good footballer 100 percent of the time, neither of us would be having this conversation. <laughs> That's very true. We'll be having it on our yacht somewhere uh, in the med, obviously, Kieran. Separate yachts, but you know, we, 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 we jump across decks every now and again. Yeah. I, I, I'm interested then from a, I can't let you get off the, the call without talking about player amortization. 
Uh, because I, I know you love it. And in terms of specifically, Rangers are in a position where some of the what were previously reported as key assets, key sellable assets within the, the squad, your Ryan Kent, your Alfredo Morelos, they're running down contracts. And I, I just wonder from a trading perspective, that, that is a bit of a misstep. Um, it's it, it's a double-edged sword. You know, uh, Players and their agents are fully aware that if they run down their contract in full, then they will be offered a huge signing on fee potentially from a from a new employer. So therefore it's interest it's in the interests of Rangers to a certain extent to um extend those contracts. But in order to do that, you've got to persuade the player and the agent to go along with it. And they're not going to do that without a pay rise. You can then end up with the situation whereby the player that we thought was worth 20 million isn't putting 100% into training, is looking a little bit chubby, uh, and is therefore perhaps not getting the interest from other markets that you would have perhaps anticipated. Um, I, I, I do talk to people in English football uh, at, at, at various levels of clubs, and that has been fed back to me with regards to perhaps at least one of Rangers' saleable assets. So, um, you know, it, it's, it is a competitive industry and, and, and the players themselves, it's in their interests to to make themselves as, as tradable as possible as much as the club. So it, it could be that the club has decided we're going to let those contracts run down um, and, and that's the best for all concerned. And, you know, we saw it in England with Paul Pogba, so, you know, record, record transfer fee for the English market. His contract ran out. They didn't really make much effort to make him stay yeah. because... They realised that he wasn't perhaps the player they thought he was, um, and he wasn't putting it wasn't putting in a hundred percent every game he was he was playing, and other clubs would notice that as well. Yeah, listen, we'll, we'll gloss by who those players you might be you might be referencing there in terms of those conversations. Um, I, I suppose my final question before I let you go, obviously, Kieran, and thank you for your time, would be: There's been a lot of noise made about the Castor Agreement. And I do wonder from the the figures we see in there whether that still retains the the right deal status for Rangers or whether they'll be looking to look at that deal in the coming in the coming short term. I think think from Castori's point of view, Rangers are, are still their biggest single seller. Mm. Um yeah, if they've sold twenty two million pounds worth of of merchandise and, and I've got that from a Another source in another uh, another apparel company that they they were absolutely amazed at those numbers. Then um, I would imagine that a Castore would be keen to extend that relationship, um, and b I think Rangers would be in a strong position when it comes to negotiating um, the the the, the, the you know, sort of the flat fee and, and b to make sure that their commissions at a competitive level. Yeah, I think that's that's the key driver there. I think Castor are now quite widely known in the market, but Rangers showing that potential for the fans to spend really does engage maybe some of the bigger players uh, as well. Kieran, listen, as always, thank you very much for your time, buddy. You know I enjoy talking to you. Where can other people hear you, see you, find you? Not your home address, but where can they find you on social media? <laughs> Um, yes, uh, one one or two club owners in England would like to know my home address. I can assure you. Um, I would, but uh, yeah, I'm. I, I do the Price of Football podcast with uh, comedian Kevin Day twice a week. Uh, it, it does 
it does focus on the the business side of the game. Um, we've had six, nearly seven million downloads now for, for reasons we can't understand because we just talk about nonsense and uh, mainly about 70s music interspiced with amortization and financial fair play. Uh, but on Twitter, I'm, I'm at Kieran Maguire and uh, I put out Rangers accounts this morning at eight o'clock. Um, and uh, then, then you kindly sent me across a virtual tin hat um, <laughs> which I've been using to deflect virtual bullets. I thought you'd need it. I didn't think you'd need it first thing in the morning. Um, but no, listen. I think I think people love the price of football for a, a genuine reason that it gets to the heart of all that interesting stuff that you're talking about. People are more and more interested in that type of thing. I would certainly enjoin any listener here to go and make sure you follow uh, Kieran and Kevin and the price of football. There's also a book that you might be able to want to buy. Not that Kieran's got it right behind him on the... Oh, oh the price of the football book. Yeah, if, if you've got a relative who who's a bit of a bit of a geek and you don't like that much, you don't want to spend that much money on them, um, yeah, the, the, the price of football book, we've, we've sold... Uh, you know, I, I wrote it for my students. Um, I've sold 12,000 copies, which, which I'm Jeez. dead chuffed about. That's brilliant, and I've, I've got Gary Neville's book as well. Just, just so that you know, any Scottish football fans there can be throwing virtual darts at it. Well, I was going to say you can maybe have, um, you can get that on the the Qatar version of uh, Amazon. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll stop there immediately on that one. Listen, Kieran, as always, buddy, it's great to have a conversation with you. Thank you for taking the time to speak to this as Ibrooks. Thanks very much for the invite, Tommy. Take care. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.